0: You know, the place of agreement is the place of power. And sometimes we don't know what to say because we don't know what God has said and as John was talking, you know, I've I've told this story before, but I remember a time there was a meeting, and we had our Generation Jesus team, and we did all kinds of outreaches and all kind of things, and they were going to do this thing in the city, and they were sort of wondering if we wanted to participate, but we knew we weren't supposed to, and we knew it wasn't our thing. It wasn't our kind of thing. Uh, They were going to have prescribed songs. We weren't the prescribed kind of people. They were going to do hymns. We weren't hymns, and you know, our band was sort of radical for its day and time, and And so we just knew we weren't supposed to do it, but we felt like, you know, so that we could tell them we prayed about it, you know, we thought we, at a certain meeting, we'd just go ahead and pray about it for a minute. So then we could say, we prayed about it and we're not coming. And we started praying about it and one by one by one, God said, you're supposed to do it. And so sometimes until you pray about it, you don't even know what you're supposed to agree with. You don't even know what God has said. And you're starting to say things that really are out of your mouth and not out of his heart. And so we want to get the word of the Lord on everything we do. I want to talk this morning. It's sort of humorous to me. If you were here last week, I stood up. Sabata really ministered to me last week. A lot of people were ministered to. The preaching team, I just want to express my gratitude and my heart to you. Y'all are amazing. I get ministered to by every person that's up here. And Alan, you did an incredible job of your your series on our thought life. And then when we said there's even more, and we just squeezed him a little bit more. And Kurt came up here, and the preach came on him when he sort of was introducing that third part of the series. Alicia did an amazing testimony that was powerful. You know, some of you have never heard her speak. I hadn't either, and it was powerful. And Paul is doing great with what he's bringing to us, the revelation. And and so I just thank God for our preaching team. Cami's going to be here next week. We haven't seen her in a while. She has her ER nursing every other weekend, and then other things have kept her away. but she'll be here next weekend. But I stood up at the end of Sabata's message, and I said, Sabata, when you stood up and said, there's a cloud of hope in the room, I said, that's for me. I go, because I came in this morning devoid of hope, and I think I worried some people. People came up with tears in their eyes afterward, but that's how I was feeling, and um, that's unusual for me. That is very unusual for me. I've known the Lord 46 years, and I cannot remember feeling devoid of hope very often, even when things are not good and even when bad things happen. But it had just been a very hard couple of weeks. And we've been dealing with the landlord. I've been dealing with the bookkeeping and the numbers. And the numbers aren't adding up to what the landlord needs. And then somebody else had some bad news. And it was just things seem hard. And I was operating on some sleep deprivation. And, and then somebody had called me late at night. And they just said a few words to me. And it's like the devil used that little pinprick to just pop my balloon. And whatever hope I had in me just went out. It's like when the air comes out of you. You know, you pop a balloon. And that's how I felt. When I walked in that morning, and I bet you that if we asked that person, "Why did you say that to Lynn?" they couldn't even remember what they said, and they didn't even mean it the way it sounded. And but you know, the devil will use anything he can to come against you. And and I thought that's just so unusual for me. And and so that helped me a lot. Your message, but I wasn't back to normal. And Monday morning, I thought, "Oh my gosh, I'm preaching next week." And you know, I thought I don't want to get up there and preach. Because you can't give away what you don't have. And if you're not careful, you know, I teach that what you put on, you'll pass on. And so I didn't want to pass on any discouragement. And I wasn't quite yet back to myself yet. But Wednesday night, I came to prayer. And in the middle of it, God spoke to me. And I even had to do a little attitude adjustment. And then I was okay. And then I was back to normal. And so it was funny. I was looking through some of my uh, older messages. And there was this title that popped up. And it said, Don't Lose Hope. And I thought, I didn't know I ever preached on that. I preached on that, and don't lose I don't remember preaching on that. So evidently, three and a half years ago, I hit a night of discouragement because three and a half years ago, my note said I felt discouraged, so I decided to go ahead and, and preach this. I felt like I lost my hope, and I'm like, Why? Why did I lose my hope? Three and a half years ago, the day that I taught this, it was a week or two after we got the glorious news that the doctor said, this is incredible. I can't find any cancer in easy. This is incredible. 16 lymph nodes. There's not cancer in one of them. This is unusual. Like everything we said God did, God did. How come two weeks later I could be discouraged? How two weeks later could I feel no hope? I don't even know what it was. My notes didn't tell me. I was like, gosh, I wish I knew what that was. But, but two times, maybe there was a third time, I don't remember, in 46 years isn't a bad track record. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes some of us are losing hope every couple of minutes. You know, I don't lose things easily. In my whole life, I think I lost one bracelet. I lost my keys once, but I found them within 30 minutes. I don't lose stuff. I'm just real orderly. And, and so, but you know what? We could lose our hope. We can go, I lost hope. See, we can lose hope about a lot of things. We can lose hope that somebody will never come to their senses that we care about. We can lose hope that they'll never kick that addiction. We can lose hope that you can't find something that's precious to you, that's valuable. We can lose hope that he won't ever find a job, or if he finds one, he won't keep it. You know, we can lose hope that we'll never be well again. There's a lot of things we can lose hope about. But let's turn to the Word and see what it says. Let's turn to Psalm 145. Let's read a little bit of Scripture this morning. Because you know what's funny? Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says. But a lot of things come by hearing. (laughs) Criticism comes by hearing. Gossip comes by hearing. (laughs) Negativity comes by hearing. Love comes by hearing. Somebody says, I love you. See, hope comes by hearing. But it also left by hearing. Because sometimes if you hear the wrong thing, the negative thing, it, it can leave. And so what we hear matters. So let's hear something from the Word. Let's turn to Psalm 145, 8 through 16. The Lord is gracious, and he's full of compassion. He's slow to anger. He's great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall, and he raises up those who are bowed down. The eyes of all, the eyes of all, look expectantly to you. Look expectantly to you. And you give them their food and due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Let's just move over one psalm and go to Psalm 146, 5. Next psalm. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Whose hope is in the Lord his God. You know, there's many words that we use in Christianity. There's a lot of words in the Bible and we want really the word to become flesh, But we talk about faith, we talk about endurance, we talk about perseverance, we talk about patience, and they all sound like good words, don't you think? But even though it's very important, hope has seemed to be the one attribute that at times has gotten a really bad rap in Christianity. Years ago, in the 70s and in the 80s, hope was actually a word that was to be avoided at all costs. And I don't know if some of you were around during that era, but I can remember watching, in a service, a well-known man of faith, a guy who moved in the gifts of the Spirit, praying for people in a healing line. And so there's people in the line. You know, it's a long line. You're waiting to get your turn. You're, you're really like, oh God, this might be my chance. You know, I've lived with this a long time. Maybe this man can help me. He can do something about this. And, and so I'm watching and. The man of God says on the microphone when this one particular person gets up there, do you believe that God is going to heal you tonight? And now, they're in front of all these people. They're scared that they're being asked a question on a microphone. They're, they're sick. You know, they went up with a condition. Now they have to speak publicly, which is something they never like to do anyway. And so I'm watching in my seat, and I'm thinking, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I hope they don't say it. I hope they don't say it. I hope they don't say it because I had actually seen people crumble and wither under the disapproving look of a minister if they said it. And so I was praying, oh God, help them, help them. Because what are the three words I didn't want him to say? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, that maybe that's the best they could do. That's all they could get out of there. I hope so. Ooh. If they said I hope so in a certain era, they would actually get corrected publicly on the microphone. Yeah be glad that you're later. Okay. (laughs) For decades, easy spoke on faith. And he didn't publicly ever correct anybody like that, but he had a little bit of disdain for hope. He did. He did. Because see, hope meant to most people, I wish, maybe so. Um, Maybe if I'm lucky tonight, it'll happen. I I hope so. I hope so. And see, You couldn't have hope. You had to have faith, we would say. You can't just be hoping. you got to have faith. Now, hope was a word that was used in the book of Hebrews, but we glossed over it, you know, because we emphasized and elevated faith. And so Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, like, (laughs) like, hope for. Okay, okay. The evidence of things not seen. Doesn't that sound poetic? You know there's a lot of bible verses that sound poetic i was first born again and i was probably a month old in the lord it was the summer of 1976 and somebody was praying and they go and lord we will just speak things that be not as though they were and i thought whoa that is beautiful like i made an a in um, creative writing i was the editor of my paper in eighth grade of the whole school in grade school it was grades one through eight back then in private school and and I'm like, ooh, I, that was beautiful the way they said that. Speak things that be not as though, ooh, I wish I could talk like that. And, and so it, it was about three or four months before I was actually in the Bible, and I saw that in Romans it's actually a scripture. And so they were just praying the word, but I was quite impressed. But let's get back to hope. And so hope, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, you just, but faith's the substance. The substance is faith. Hope, that, you know, Easy used to say, "Some of you people don't have substance." Cause you ever take a biscuit and pop? He brought a biscuit can up to the platform. He did. Were you there? Pop that thing. He said, "See that? Some of you are like that. Squeeze you, nothing to you." He goes, "Put you in the oven, a little fire." He goes, "Now it comes out, and you got some substance to it." Oh, his sermon has built some of the faith you see in the room today. But let's get back to hope. You know, hope didn't even make it into the nine gifts of the fruit of the spirit. It's, it's not even a fruit, okay? It's certainly not a gift. It's not in the gifts, but it's not a fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hope's not in there. The kids one time did a craft, and they, they put all the fruit, you know, the fruit of the Spirit in the basket. There was no hope in the basket. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, when God dropped that word, hope, in me, you know, back that night, three and a half years ago, when I had no hope, you know, in Psalm 146, I was reading, and it's like, whose hope is in the Lord? I thought, wow, I need to get it back. But see, you can lose it and get it back. You can lose it and get it back. See, I, I, I remember, though, that week I checked my bookshelves, and Alicia had helped me. Uh, my, my bookshelves are very organized, okay? And they're books from a lifetime. They're quite an, a library. But I knew in my mind where everything was. But if somebody else wanted something, they wouldn't know. So I had her come over. We categorized, like, here's Smith Wigglesworth. Here's Kenneth Hagin. Here's faith. Here's testimonies. Here's miracles and healings. Here's the Holy Spirit. Here's book on finances. Here's book. On... So I had books on what the Bible says about money. I had books on the cross. I had books on fasting. I had books on women's ministry, men's ministry, Holy Spirit, emotional healing, physical healing, prophecy, and even a couple on Y2K. All right? And... and <laughs> But not one of them even had the word hope in the title. Not one had the word hope in the title, and certainly not like a whole book on hope, okay? Nothing, none on the subject of hope. Like, it's amazing that I had hope if, if I, you know. And, um, but the Bible definition of hope, see, is not a wish. It's not a wish. There's nothing weak about it. It does have substance, even though faith is the substance of it, because it's the substance of what? Things hoped for. And so in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. Do you know that for spiritual or emotional or physical recovery from trauma, from accidents, from sickness, the powers that be, the experts, say that you need three things. Number one, hope. Number two, meaning. Number three, purpose. All three are key ingredients in that order. And hope is the first one. It starts with hope. You have got to have hope. Hope causes people that are currently in distress to look forward to something better. Hope supplies the motivation to go forward. See, if God is saying go forward and you don't have hope, it's hard to take the first step. It's hard to even make the move. See, biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. And so ordinarily, when we express hope, I get it. In, In a worldly sense, we're expressing uncertainty. But that's not the case with biblical hope. John Archer, February 18th, 2007, preached on hope. And that's when we went home and I go, honey. See, there's some good stuff about hope. John preached it today. Because Easy would stand up and goes, what am I going to preach on today? And everybody would go, faith. And he'd go, right. And he would preach on t- 15 stories in the Bible, but somehow he'd pull faith out of them. They would all be different, but faith would be there somewhere. But he never talked on hope. And I go, John talked on hope, honey, today. And 2007, and John said, the word hope in Greek is joyful expectation or confident expectation. The meaning in the Bible is not how it's commonly used today when someone says, I hope so, or I hope that happens. That is wishful thinking. What's interesting is that hope and faith are not separate forces, but they work together. They work together. They're two elements of the same result. How? The Bible says faith is the substance of of things hoped for. If you take the word substance, you have sub and you have stance. You break it down. The word substance in Greek means to stand under, stand under. And so you're uh, you're standing under sub means under stance to stand. Faith is standing under what you are hoping for. It is standing under what you are joyfully expecting. So if you're not joyfully expecting anything, then faith has nothing to stand under. And so they work together. There is a reason the Bible says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. We need all three. Far too long, too many people think hope is a junior form, a lesser form of faith or not good at all. But faith needs something to stand under, John said. So what are you joyfully expecting? See, that's a question we need to ask. We can go, oh, I agree with everything you said, but you're, you're expecting nothing. Nothing. What, what are you expecting? I don't know. I, unless, I don't know. Whatever God brings my way. Uh, what are you expecting? I got convicted this week. One of my Facebook friends, he's a minister, he just puts funny little stuff, and he said, on our way to church, we asked our grandchild, why is it important to be quiet in church? She replied, because there are people sleeping there. <laughs> I guess she was observant, huh? But see, the other friend, who actually was a professor at uh, Pat Robertson's College, and actually he was a, he was one, he was the president of the college that Stephen Furtick graduated from, and and he's a friend of mine. He married one of my good friends. He posted a more serious post, and it was by Tim Keller, a pastor, a theologian, and author. And Tim Keller asked questions. And he didn't ask questions, he, he, he actually made them personal. I'm like, ooh, why'd you have to do that ending part? Like, I was okay till you went so far. He goes, how real has God been this week to your heart? Not how real is God to you, this week. How clear and vivid is your assurance of God's forgiveness and his fatherly love? To what degree is that real to you now? Right now. Are you having any particular season of sweet delight in God? Do you sense his presence in your life? Do you sense him giving you his love? Have you been finding scriptures to be alive and active? Are you finding any biblical promises that are really encouraging to you? Which ones? Oh, they're all encouraging. Which ones? (laughs) Oh, I'm on this spot. Let me make something up. See, it should be daily, active, living, which ones, interaction going on all the time. Not just like I once, I, I once was encouraged, <laughs> I once had hope, I once believed for things. What about now? See, let's the where the where the rubber meets the road. Are you finding God calling to you or challenging you to something through his word? If so, in what ways? Woo! Too many questions. See, we don't sometimes we don't want to. Answer the hard stuff, but the hard stuff is the real stuff, and the real stuff is the substance of what life is made of and how we get to where we're going. So John said, I believe people lose their hope, their joyful expectation, before they lose faith. So let's hope again. And it's funny that I also have an article that Jen sent me one week, some time ago, and it said, hope is key in this season. See, it can be key in a lot of seasons. The enemy of our soul, the article said that she sent me, has launched targeted attacks in the very areas that we have been contending for. But this is a wonderful opportunity for us to overcome to the glory of God. Now, more than ever, keep our eyes on Jesus. See, we got to keep our eyes, our eyes look expectantly to you. If we look at the problem, if we look at what's not happening, we can lose hope. But we've got to look to Jesus, the author, the finisher. He said, so it says, um, keep our gaze on Jesus rather than on what the enemy is doing. Don't give up, hold on to hope, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, align with hope, not fear. What you behold, is what you will become. Look to the heavens, not to earth, not to hell. When the battle intensifies is when the victory will be greatest. Victory is at hand. Then one more thing that I pulled out of my own files. You know, I have files of stuff. I told y'all that years ago before the internet, I was the internet, and I would collect articles and little handouts and all kind of things. And I mean, I had ministers call me and go, do you have the notes on such and such? And I go, hold on. And I'd look through my files, and I could pull it out and give it to them. I still have all those files. We didn't have the Internet, and teachers had to teach, and you had to get resources from somewhere. And so I had this one little handout that I saved. And The most destructive habit, worry. The greatest loss, self-respect. The most satisfying work, helping others. The most endangered species, dedicated leaders. Our greatest natural resource, our youth. The most effective sleeping pill, peace of mind. (laughs) The most crippling disease, excuses. So it's a lot of that. The worst thing to be without, hope. The worst thing to be without, hope. The worst thing to be without, hope. And so Abraham, who we call the father of faith, father faith, the Bible says about him, in hope, he believed the father of faith in hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations. So your faith can be strong. Faith can get you there. Faith can endure. But hope provides the joy to keep you strong, give you the strength you need while you're waiting. Because sometimes there's a time lag. People get up here. People get up on every podium and they give a testimony. They do not have the time to tell you all the hell they went through in the middle <laughs> okay they do not have the time to tell you all the, the you know you need to get their book okay if you want to know all the stuff they went through to get from you know the, when the thing happened till when the victory came and so you just hear them go the thing that happened and then the victory came and you go why well, didn't like that for me Okay, and, and what, like, what did they have to do? And I mean, there was somebody's testimony that was, and I go, that didn't happen like that. There's more to it. So I start looking this person up on the internet, and sure enough, there's a whole bunch more articles, and then you hear the time lag, and what she had to do, and things God did in her heart, and the stuff he took out of her heart, and the emotional healing he did, and the attitude adjustment, and then the fasting she did. Oh, and then that victory came. But if you just read it you know, quickly, you think, this happened, this left her, I don't get blessed like that, you know? <laughs> and so there's hope that you need while you're waiting. Like that word, in the meantime. You know, Cammie used to say in that waiting time can be mean in the meantime. <laughs> hope can get you there happier and with more delight. Hope doesn't just endure, it actually enjoys. So it's no wonder that it's the thing the devil tries so hard to take away. So hard. The devil uses discouragement. He uses delay. He uses disappointment. And sleep deprivation. (laughs) Caretakers, moms, new moms, working around the clock on a new assignment. See, a lot of the devil's tools, I don't want to give D a, a, a bad name or anything because there's a lot of good things about D. David's name began with a D. Um, you know, delight, uh, do it. But a lot of the devil's stuff begins with D. Discouragement, delay, disappointment, deprivation. You know what I mean? Like it, <laughs> so if those D words, the bad ones, start coming at you, put your shield up. Know to resist them. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, God is promising something here. See, we just Christ in you, the hope of glory. No, what's he saying? This hope, remember, is not a wishful thought. It's a confident, expectant, joyful knowledge that we are being changed by God. I wrote Alan the other day, and there was somebody that, I mean, oh, their post on Facebook is the same as it's been for the last 20 years, and it's the weirdest stuff they say. And I go, I thought they were going to change, but They're not. I go, does anybody ever really change? I go, isn't that the gospel message? Transformation, you know, salvation and transformation. Where's changing? I'm like, wait, he changed. I changed. You changed. I go, yeah, people do change. That's the point. And so God is promising here that we are going to be changed by him if we let him. And one day we will see Jesus face to face, having been conformed to his image, to his image. Christ in us. Christ, the hope of what? Glory. Glory. What's glory? We could describe it a lot of ways, but for today, I'll just say it's a revelation of the character and the attributes and the aspects of God. And you can just feel them. Now I understand glory in the sense of you know when the glory fills the room, and the priest could not even stand to minister for reason of the glory, and they hit the floor. And it's not like the anointing, it, it overtake when the glory comes into a city, people miles away are affected. The glory is but here the hope of glory is that personal glory, a revelation of the character and attributes and aspects of God. I see him, I get a glimpse of him, and then I can see me clearly. See, I came in Wednesday night thinking I had hurt and disappointment, and that took my hope away. But during prayer, God said, you have offense. And I'm like, whoa, when I called it what God called it, I got free. You know, we say that the world is trying to like reframe words, and they twist and pervert the meaning. So do we. So do we. I'm hurt. No, you're offended. (laughs) And God says, let go of your offense you know, I'm just feeling a little quiet today. No! You let the devil shove you in a corner and you're not obeying God. See, we do it too. And so when I called it what God called it, the place of agreement is the place of power. I got my hope back like that. Like that. A revelation of the character and the attributes and all aspects of God comes with an assurance that we will then get the results of God. In our lives, without an anchor, well, not in our lives. Let's do, a boat. Let's do boats. Let's do boats first. Let's do somebody else other than us first. Okay, without an anchor, a boat, a vessel, can become adrift in a sea, and a storm can overturn it. Hebrews 6.19 tells us that hope is the anchor of the soul. Hope is an anchor. An anchor, the symbol, a picture of an anchor, is what is called a chrismon. Chrismon with an O, though. Chrismon. C-H-R-I-S-M-O-N. And these are symbols in the Christian faith that represent something about Jesus or Christianity and they're really called uh, monogramma Christi. I took It's a Latin word. I don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. I took Latin in high school, all right? That's what Catholic high school does for you. I took Latin. I couldn't speak Spanish when I went to Bogota, Colombia and ministered, so I wish I would have taken Spanish, but I took Latin. And so monogramma Christi, and so they really mean symbols of Christ. They're, They're pictures that are symbols of something that relates to Christ. And an anchor is such a symbol. And so the anchor provided stability and safety when water, whether it was calm or whether it was dangerous, by keeping the ship secure. Trials and hardships try to either rock the boat of your life or destroy the ship or shipwreck you at worst. Or maybe just cause you to drift. But if you drift just a little bit, just a little bit, My my son's a pilot. Okay, if he goes one degree off course starting on his journey, he will be far from his destination by the end of the trip. Far from it. And so trials and hardships try to rock our boat or destroy our ship, shipwreck us, so that we don't notice. Just get us off course. But hope is our anchor. The anchor prevents those things from happening. If we mix hope with faith and a knowledge of the word. You know, Alicia gave her testimony that was very powerful some weeks back. And she was about to commit suicide on a certain day and had determined that she was going to go home that evening and kill herself. One scripture changed all that. One scripture. I don't know if y'all call that one scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you what? A hope and a future. See, the hope had to come before the future could be made manifest. See, one scripture and she went home and meditated on it. But hope came first. I need you to know. Hope came first. And so sometimes we're trying to get somewhere, but we don't put first things first. And God says, hope has to come first. And so he has a hope and a future. He has plans to prosper you and not harm you. But he will give you what? A hope and a future. And so today, your hope needs to be in God. Your hope needs to be secure. Your anchor needs to be steadfast so that you cannot be moved and you will not be off course and you will not be shipwrecked. And the devil will try anything he can to pop your little balloon to let the hope come out of you, stand to your feet with me. If you're in need of hope today, if there's just a specific area and you've given up hope, or if there's just a general feeling uh, that you, oh, I just, I don't even know if I can hope anymore, raise your hand. We're going to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those whose hands are raised. I thank you right now that you give us a hope and a future. Nothing is too hard for you. So we meditate on your word, oh God, your word that is spirit and life, your word that revives our soul. It revives life on the inside of us. And so, Father, I just speak to hopelessness i command it to leave this room i say go you foul thing in the name of jesus you have no place in the people of god father i thank you that your words are yes and amen you are not a man that you would lie you have not changed your mind you are not going back on your word so father i just thank you right now for power and strength to rise up in your people we come against we come against discouragement We come against tiredness. We come against weariness. We come against offense in the name of Jesus. And we say, God, you rule and reign in our lives. You rule and reign supreme. Your words are our words, God, and we agree with you. And so, Father, I thank you for a new power. I thank you for new expectation. I thank you for a confident and joyful expectation that what you have said, what you have promised will come to pass. We take nothing less. We thank you, God, for all that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen.